talking about everybody's favorite time of the month, period week. <laughs> Our favorite time. <laughs> Note the sarcasm there. <laughs> I mean, it's always a great time when you're hoping you're not pregnant, you know? That's true. I do appreciate my period at those points. So that is very, very true. But, you know, before we get too into this, I know that women are typically the ones afflicted by this and men don't typically have to deal with this. But this episode is going to be an episode where anybody can listen because we are talking about various ways that periods impact people all over the world and how we can help make things more sustainable and more accessible to people. And I think that's important for, you know, anybody to hear whether or not you have a period or not. I'm sure you know somebody in your life who gets their period. So it is still beneficial and helpful. Yes, it it is beneficial for everybody to be aware of, of what is happening there. And personally, When a man is a little bit informed about a menstruation cycle, I find it very sexy. I'm like, yes, not a man who's grossed out by nature. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually, it's really adorable because I have uh, a good friend group out here where I live and two of my male friends, they were like, we really want to just like have things accessible for our friends. And, you know, they have sisters and siblings that come to visit and they're like, we just want to have something like available for people if they need it in our bathroom, you know, like, and I was like, that's so kind and courteous. Like, that's awesome. I love that. I have something like that in my bathroom, but I mean, I also use it and it's just my... It's like a blue box that's filled with all of the things that a woman might need <laughs> on a moment's mm-hmm. notice. Yep. And I'm, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before. I'm One of the new things that has been popping up in places is having a little container with tampons in bathrooms for women. And it has it's just so useful and so relevant. And so beautiful. It makes me Mm -hmm. very happy that I started my own. And the only person to ever need to use it is my sister. But, I mean, that's quarantine life. Not many people coming over. So I love that your guy friends are doing that. I think that's so progressive and inclusive inclusive of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I also loved seeing that when um, one of my friends came out to visit. And we went to, obviously, pre-COVID. And we went to a brewery. And they, in their women's, well, I think it, I don't even know if it was a women's bathroom or if it was just a bathroom because it's a pretty small brewery, but they had, um, they just had like tampons, like you said, just Mm -hmm. like in a little holder thing. And it was just like, if you need one, take one, like here they are. And I was just like, that's so nice because more often than not, people are not going to take it unless they need it. You know, like, it's not like people are going to just ransack the bathroom. At least most people are not going to do that. And I just thought like, (laughs) how thoughtful. And it's stuck in my mind, you know, like I'll, you know, I'll give them a shout out Sigma Brewery. Uh, I really appreciated it. Like, I thought that was really cool. And I didn't need to use the product. But like, if I did, if I happen to be out, and you know, sometimes we get surprised, or sometimes it's like, we think it's over, and it's not really over. And it's just like, oh, crap, what do I do? You know, so it's just nice to have that there. It shows up early. I want to give then give mm-hmm. a shout out to Orange Theory, which every Orange Theory that I've ever been in, and they are, um, it's just a bathroom, right? It's not designated boys or girls. Yeah. Um, they do always also have some tampons in there. And I'm, again, so appreciative because you your period can sometimes surprise you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, yeah, it just happens. I did have a really scary thought, and this is a little off topic, but... And I don't know how scary, but I was thinking about it and I realized, Meg, that we probably have less periods ahead of us 
than we have behind us. Like, <laughs> we're past the halfway mark to menopause at this point. I mean, probably because yeah. when is when is menopause for most women? When does Sometime between. I mean, early onset menopause can start in your in your thirties, but I think more general it starts in women's forties, and then any time after that, depending on your makeup, you can go through the change. <laughs> so women in their in their fifties. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I really don't know. It's probably something I should look more into, but it's also something that kind of snuck up on me, and I just had that thought of like kind of looking into things for for this podcast, and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm closer to menopause, like to the end of having a period, than I am to the beginning. I mean, which is wild. Isn't that like crazy that, when you when you put it in that perspective. That is very wild. I'm kind of thinking like, you know, around 50 for myself is just kind of the number that I came up with while thinking about it. It could definitely be earlier. It could be later. You know, it's very specific to the woman. But yeah, I mean, I would say I've got less than 20 years of having my my menstrual cycle left. And I've, I've had it for more than 20 years. So which just shows also like the longevity that women actually deal with this. It is the mm-hmm. majority of our life that every single month, for some women twice a month, at other periods of your life, more than twice a month, sometimes it's super ass long period, depending. <laughs> yeah, you know, like we spend a lot of our time on this cycle and the sanitary aspect of it. There's actually, uh, I looked up a few facts about periods and they Uh calculated that I found this on helpingwomenperiod.org. And one of the facts is that you will spend nearly 10 years of your life on your period. So you know how they say you spend like seven years of your life waiting at stoplights? Well, we spend (laughs) 10 years of our life, you know, on our period. That's nuts. That's so Mm -hmm. crazy to me. And it's something that is so kind of forced a lot to be hush hush I'm really glad that it's coming more to the forefront but I know when I was coming up through or starting like my period journey you know in your my early teens it was like hide your tampon don't act like you're on your period like don't let people know keep it hush hush it was very much something that like I would share with like my girlfriends but you kind you didn't want out there you didn't want to talk about it was I don't know a little bit more secretive it's almost taboo but I was reading also that and to be fair I got a lot of I got a lot of facts all over the web so I will try and credit where I can but uh I it was a bustle article and I was reading and they said that the majority of Chinese women they took a poll and it was with different um countries and so China was one of them and they said that the people who polled there said that the majority of them didn't even know their periods were coming like they just they're not educated right and it's not that maybe they're not educated I don't know like I don't know what it is because they don't go into what it was but they just said they felt scared or surprised when their first period arrived that they just were not prepared for it yeah I remember as a kid reading or watching some I think I was watching some oh (gasps) we'll use this one as a reference this isn't what I was going to originally use but you remember my girl everyone's seen my girl when Mm -hmm. I remember growing up watching the movie My Girl and when Veda gets her period, little star, little girl, in the movie, she was like, ah, I'm dying, I'm dying. Mm-hmm. You know, freak, um, very unsure about what was happening and what was going on. And luckily, you know, she had Jamie Lee Curtis there to walk her through. 
but that's that's the thing. I know when I first got my period, even though I knew it was coming, I was still like, what? Like, not that I like knew it was coming, but I knew it would be coming. Mm-hmm. I still had a moment of like, what? What what is happening here? <laughs> like, well, absolutely. And then you know, this bustle article even goes into that. They said that aside from China, they said that they uh, pulled people and forty three percent of women in India, twenty seven percent of women in the UK, nineteen percent in the United States, also that they did not feel like they were adequately prepared for their period, and that. They also kind of combined the surveys and they said 70% of people throughout all of the countries reported feeling still very scared or moderately scared when they got their first period. And I think that's in line with what you're saying is like you even knew about it, but it's like you're still it's still a scary kind of thing, you know, because you're bleeding like. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's a brand new experience. There's no real way of explaining it because it's so unique again to each person and actually Mm. in each cycle. And yeah, you're not just like bleeding. It's like, I mean, that's like, I mean, that's what you can visually see, but there's a whole feeling that goes along with it as well. And especially that first time, I just personally, I remember being like, I don't understand why I'm so exhausted. It is the middle of the day and I'm napping. And that was very unusual for me. Um, And then, oh, hello, what's this mess in my pants? And it was, it was, it was freaky. I was just like, what what do I do? What do I do? I've got two sisters and a mother and I still don't know what to do. (laughs) And the sad part of all that is, is like you were prepared and you, I would imagine had access to products, but a lot of women out there, women, children, girls going through this, they just do not have access to the things that you need during your period. And I, again, I found this study online and they were saying that period poverty, which I'll define that for you. It it refers to the inadequate access to menstrual hygiene tools and education, including, but not limited to sanitary products, washing facilities and waste management. So there are women out there and girls out there who just are in this period poverty. They don't have access. And the study goes on to say that in They said in some other countries, two out of three girls may avoid going to school because they either haven't been educated on their period or they don't have the access to be able to maintain or deal with their period while they're at school. Yeah. And that's just like... Heartbreaking. It is. And it it creates a divide between, you know, men and women and their ability to access education, their ability to climb the ladder so that, you know, so they say it just... Well, it just makes it even more... Yeah, it makes it even more difficult to just based off of a very natural part of your existence. If you are a born woman, chances are you're going to have a menstrual cycle Mm -hmm. and to not have access to the things that you need for that due to any sort of poverty then limits you even more. It's just sort of that cycle of poverty and keeping people in poverty and it's it's really sad. And then, you know, you go into it even more and we have this pink tax, right? So these yes. products for women, that then it costs even more. And so we're just, it's. Well, and we're going to definitely dive into what the pink tax is. a little is, bit more, but, yeah. Yeah. But it's just like this cycle. It is. And I was seeing that they, uh, they estimate that 800 million women menstruate every day and based on 2018 data over 1.2 billion women across the world do not have access to the basic sanitation items that they need every month 
And they said in India, approximately 12% of its 355 million menstruating women cannot afford period products. And in Kenya, it's 50% of school-age girls that don't have access to these sanitary towels or napkins or tampons. And it just, it's an, it's an alarming, you know, rate that we see this happening at. And just how do we go about getting products or getting knowledge or, you know, like closing the gap? One way I would assume would be good to is to start looking at this and menstruation as a public health issue <laughs> instead mm-hmm. of a women's issue alone. You know, it is, it's because when we take women away, we don't allow women to get their education. We're keeping them out of school, out of the workforce, stuck in a cycle of poverty. That really does affect everybody because you're holding back their potential and their potential to do greatness that would then spread in that greatness to others. You know, and if we start to look at this as a a world issue for everybody, a health right. issue, and then we start to supply that, you know, it would be as if, and I guess there's no almost like no example that I have because we do hold back things like clean water and and living situations from others, but but it is, right? Those kind of things are already happening. We are already having to fight for clean water. And so this is just one more thing. Mm-hmm. But I do think that if we would start to look at it as a health issue and as a global issue instead of just a woman's issue or a woman's thing to deal with, because I even... Honestly, like the general consensus that I tend to get from people is they look negatively on the period. Like, oh, women have to deal with that. It's so gross. You don't want to like, oh, I I think we've all gotten like, oh, are you on your period? You're about Mm -hmm. to start your period, which I feel like there should be a flogging law. (laughs) If somebody (laughs) says to you, are you about to start your period? You should be allowed to fucking flog them. Like, (laughs) no, don't say that to somebody. And maybe that is a little hormonal. to say but the point gets made you know and it, it's a global thing like I said we all come from women we ought to come together on this it is not a disgusting thing it is a natural thing well and you know in line with what you're saying about the pink tax too mm-hmm. and again uh, a lot of this information that I recently was uh, talking about came from American Medical Women's Association and they say that there's 35 US states that tax period products as non-essential items Whereas male grooming products and erectile dysfunction medication are not taxed. And then additionally, on top of that, food stamps won't cover menstrual products for women living below the poverty line. And schools and federal Mm -hmm. prisons have only recently begun implementing the accessibility to, to people in those facilities. So could you imagine, unfortunately, being incarcerated and prior to 2018 having your period and having to use your funds to buy basic items that you need like they don't make you buy toilet paper tampons and pads are just as necessary as toilet paper like I just and exponentially more expensive I think that Mm -hmm. something people don't really realize is how expensive it is my mom used to always joke joke that like having daughters was more expensive because they went from you went from you had to you got to stop buying diapers, but then you suddenly had to start buying period products. I mean, a box of like eighteen tampons can easily cost ten, twelve dollars, and eighteen tampons, depending on the woman, that's like one or two cycles, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, depending on it, the size you get, depending on how heavy your flow is, depending on how often you change it. Like some women aren't comfortable leaving it in for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like it just, yeah, it's, it's yeah. so, like you said, dependent on the person. 
but it's also just it's very expensive and it's not something that we can control it happens so I just it, it, it blows my mind that it's not considered an essential item and it's so dangerous too if you try to I know that like there were times that I've tried to save money and I'm like well maybe I'll like leave the tampon in a little bit longer this and that you know, not often, but whatever. I've done that. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. But you can only go one for so long because it's not like an infinite thing. <laughs> like it's the tampon gets yeah. full as well as it gets uncomfortable at a certain point. Yeah. And it is dangerous. I mean, you can get this toxic shock syndrome and mm-hmm. you can lose a limb. You can lose both legs you can wake up in a you know wake up having having been in a coma it causes some serious medical injuries for women who end up leaving tampons in for too long mm-hmm. and that is like what other option are you giving girls oh they get a box of tampons they're going to try and, and and make it last and you're then making them risk other health issues in order to just get an education i don't know and that's i think that's what's going against it is that for so long periods have been so taboo so people don't want to talk about them and if you don't talk about it you don't arise the problems that go along with it and you know the needs of the people who use those items and so you know I'm happy that we are talking more about it and we as a society not just we being us but society in general like there's there's definitely more articles coming out there's things being printed like I said you know I found these fun period facts you know on just like a bunch of different websites and it's like okay it's out there people are talking more about it and on that plus side I do want to say that there are so many options now for sustainable things I wouldn't necessarily call it affordable but if you are somebody who is looking into those options, they do have a lot that's come through the last few years that is out there. And I have personally been trying the um, the cup. So I got mine through Salt, S-A-A-L-T. But I know they have like the Diva Cup. They have a few other brands Cora. out there. Stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's so many ones out there. And why don't you describe like what a cup is for our, yeah. for those viewers <laughs> that do not know our Three male viewers. <laughs> yes. <Just joking. laughs> I, I do want to say um, one of the facts that I found is that typically women do lose a lot less blood than they think they do. Yes. Uh, so yes. what it is not what just the, all blood coming out of us every right. Month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a whole bunch of things. But they said you typically only lose about three tablespoons of blood during your period. It just for us messy as it can get apparently it's only three tablespoons of blood (laughs) but um anyways so the cup what it does is instead of a tampon that goes up and you have to remove every few hours uh the cup kind of sits in there creates a suction and collects everything and is large enough that it can hold things for 12 hours so nearly your whole day you could essentially put it in go to work get home and change it out, you know, whenever you're home and not even have to worry about changing anything in a public setting, not even have to worry about spending money every month to get more tampons. Um, You can reuse this because you take it out, you clean it, you sanitize it, whatnot, and you can use it again. And so it is a really nice option. It is a bit of a investment, but it pays itself off after a few months. However, I will say there are some downsides, like it, it doesn't, it's flexible, you know, but mm-hmm. you can't 
know which one's going to fit you best. So, you know, it might be a lot of trial and error of like trying different companies or trying different sizes. So that's where it can definitely get pricey because it's not something like you can try and then send back if it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, you, you bought it, you own it. And um, for me, I just, I get really nervous because it's like, you can't stop your life, you know? So like maybe you're going out or whatnot. And like, if you have an accident with this one, as I have learned the hard way, if you lose suction or whatnot, like, everything that was trapped in that cup is no longer trapped in that cup. And we all know the gush, like no. <laughs> what happens, you know, like it just, it, it loses suction and it pours out. And if you are not someplace that you can get to place quick to make sure you don't make a mess everywhere, like it's going to be messy. So it, it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of making sure you get that suction to stick. But I, for me personally, cannot go from like a standing position to a laying position and have it not mess up. Some people, I guess, can. They're like, oh, you can use it for sports. You can do all this. And it's like, I don't think I could be a gymnast and, and wear this and have it work for me. Well, maybe but. not this particular one, but maybe another one would work well for you. However, Possibly. like you said, it's a cost thing, too. How yeah. – I mean, these are like, what, like $40, $45 a yeah. piece? And yeah, although in the long run, that is much more affordable for people who are struggling with poverty and, and mm-hmm. with their finances, coming up with that money in the short term is really difficult. Yeah. It's an investment, you know, and yeah. it's, it's an upfront investment. So, But it's also, and with those risks to it, one thing that we were talking about a little bit more sustainable period products is most tampons and pads are loaded with chemicals that are really harmful to the human body and to women's reproductive systems. And we're putting them right on up into our body, you know, Mm -hmm. or right there next to sensitive skin. And it's like, well, okay, so great. I can afford these like inexpensive box of tampons, but at what cost? Because 10 years down the line, I'm going to have cervical cancer from using them. You know, and so we really put women in a tough position. We put our society in a tough position across the board when you're struggling financially to kind of choose between to being okay today and being okay tomorrow. And most people are going to choose to find a way to be okay today because today is the greater need. But we're causing these issues that we're going to face down the line. The more, you know that the research comes out, the longer that it goes on that these chemicals are in the products, the more women it's going to affect. And who knows what that outcome is going to be. So it would be great if they would start making some of these products a little bit less expensive. I know that I've been wanting to try um, like the official period panties because they just seem so amazing to me, although still kind of messy. I don't know. There doesn't seem to be, and tell me if I'm like, does, there doesn't really seem to be a non-messy way to have a, like your menstruation cycle, your, your deal no, with it. Like, no, it's always a no, little. There's, yeah. There's always some form of it being messy. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it would be really great if we found ways to make these more affordable for people or, you know, in high school even. And, you know, it's, I appreciate that. There are places, there are schools, there are businesses that are putting tampons out for people. But specifically with schools, I think that we should start getting girls cups. I really do think that that might be even, you know, if it just carries them through high school or college. and Because one size now doesn't mean it's going to be the correct one for you later. And I don't know what the lifespan on these things are, even though I'm sure it's... 
It's significant, but it's not a forever thing. So you definitely have to replace them. But in kind of speaking towards that, I was seeing that New Zealand recently started a pilot program where in 15 of their schools, it says in the northern Wakato region, I am so sorry if I'm saying that wrong, um, (laughs) they... They have about 3,200 young people who are given free period products. And their prime minister, Yacinda Ardern, said that research showed that about one in 12 of their young people skipped school because they did not have access to period products. So that's really cool to see, you know, them them doing this pilot program. And I don't know when the date was that that started, but I know as of November 2020, Scotland was actually the first country to make sanitary products free to all women yeah and which is amazing right it's a huge go scotland and they were also the first country to offer free sanitary products in their schools and universities which mm-hmm. is what we're talking about here you know like yeah adults can kind of figure their own thing out but children can't and it just yeah. you don't want to put that burden on them with all the other stuff that they're already going through in childhood. So I do think that that is a really great step that the U.S. could take and other countries could potentially take where we do supply children with the products that they need to be able to get through their school day, to not have to lose out on education that's their right to obtain purely because they're worried that they might... That they're going to bleed through their clothing. Right. Or that they might not be able to have the products they need to get through their, their menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've all been there. I've been there and where I've gone to school not having enough to make it through the day. And I know I just like prayed that my friends had something for me <laughs> to make mm-hmm. if I needed it because yeah. and and sometimes you're surprised. Like, you know, you said we were surprised and I don't specifically re- remember our high school having that you could like buy the tampons. Remember they used to be like a quarter or whatever in certain restrooms you could buy tampons or products or whatnot yeah but even so I would have had to have money and mm-hmm. I mean I was I was lucky enough that that's okay for me but for many people that's not trying to come up with the cash to to then buy the products to be in school yeah so and it it was you know they had them in the bathroom but like you said it was 25 cents or 50 cents or something which like seems simple enough but for some people that's just not money that they have and that adds up so let's say you know Mm -hmm. you need two or three tampons to get through your day or two or three pads to get through your day like that now adds up to dollar fifty two dollars like it it just it becomes a lot and And that's daily Mm -hmm. daily Mm -hmm. for say minimum of the general consensus is like five to seven days and then that repeats Mm -hmm. itself every every 28 days or so it does it gets really expensive and that kind of brings us back to the pink tax and one of the things that sort of that I didn't really connect the dots with until I was looking up stuff for this podcast you know the pink tax is a tax on anything pretty much feminine and so you can have two razors one marketed to males same exact razor same exact company marketed to females and the female one will be more expensive quote unquote our pink tax tampons period products they often have their own tax on top of <laughs> their own little special tax that they have and then you know they sell them to us with whatever like the sales taxes anything so like they call it that pink tax again because it's generally towards anything female even if the male counterpart is the same it will be less expensive deodorant 
Yeah. Shaving cream, all the soap, shampoo, conditioner, all of that stuff is more expensive for women, even if it is the exact same than for men. And so that in itself sucks. What I didn't connect until this time was like we already have a pay gap. So say in general we make like what, 79 cents, 80 cents on the dollar for a man. And then you add on top of that that we're also being taxed on the same products needed even Mm -hmm. more. You know, it just creates even more of a gap between males and females and the accessibility. And How is that not just fair, but how is that going to play out in the long run? It affects both male and females, do you know? So I don't know. I was really surprised to kind of like realize that like, oh my goodness, when added to the already pay gap. And that 79 cents is for white women, right? White educated women. Imagine Mm -hmm. if you're a woman of color, an indigenous woman, anything. Like that gap is even more massive, I think indigenous women make somewhere like 30, 40 cents on the dollar to a man. And then they're paying all that extra tax on top of it. It's, it's like forced suppression of an entire gender. Like we are going to make it more difficult on you just because you are female and we can. It's yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I've had discussions with my friends where like a lot of us, have been like, yeah, we just buy guy razors because first off, they usually have more blades, so they, <laughs> they do a better, better job and they're cheaper. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm not, I don't need a pink razor. I don't care, like a purple razor, whatever. You know, like I don't need one with flowers on it. I just want one that's going to actually like shave my legs. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing with um, shaving cream, certain mm-hmm. deodorants and stuff. You know, yeah. it's definitely things that you do have to just kind of uh, un- unrelated, but I off- often, shop in the mail section clothing wise because I know I'm gonna find clothing with pockets and real flannel <laughs> like two things that like just don't exist in the in the women's section yeah no it's wild it it's very interesting to see kind of the differences when you really break it down like this yeah. there's just there's so much information on periods and so many ways that you can go about talking about it and so we're, we're trying to cram kind of everything into this episode but definitely do your own research go out there check out information on it and there are companies out there too that I thought were really cool a lot of these feminine product companies that make donations mm-hmm. so specifically you know the one that I use, Salt, they donate menstrual cups to people based on how many people buy cups. So I thought that that was really cool. Is that kind of like a Tom's thing? Like for everyone bought, there's one given? Yes. So their website doesn't specifically go into it. It's just showing their impact of how many they've donated. So I don't know that it's a one-to-one kind of thing, but it does show that they do donate a portion of it. And then there's a few other ones. There's Bloody Good Period, which is a UK-based charity. I love their name. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say that's amazing. Um, but they supply sanitary products uh, to asylum seekers, refugees, and other women who cannot afford them. There's Cora. I mentioned them before, and they do a lot of donating of organic tampons, and they use a portion of their proceeds you know, to create sustainable period management for women in India. There's luna pads there's days for girls there's so many out there and so it's just you know we vote with our dollar and if you are able to make that choice you know just it's something to look out for truly that made me think about women in in refugee camps honestly 
which is something I hadn't really thought about throughout this, was, and how difficult that situation is, too. You know, you're already lack of access to clean water, bathrooms, showers, anything, and on top of that, having to deal with your menstrual strike cycle mm-hmm. without any products. You know, this our our houseless people, our houseless women are dealing with this as well. And although they have a little bit, I think, more I mean they I they do. They've got more access than women in refugee camps but just kind of hit me thinking about like you're talking about it like man if there's anything that we can do maybe we should start if you can viewer listeners out there if any of this strikes your fancy to really do some research on your own maybe start thinking of, of helping those people as well and another thing I you know I've come across and I've heard from people who have been in active duty military or any of the branches of the military they said you know care packages are often sent and it's a lot of food and they're like but honestly, some things we need are sanitary products. So if you ever do like an adopt a soldier program or you donate a box of items, consider putting in sanitary products to donate as well. Um, and the same thing with our homeless shelters. Mm-hmm. I know the the shelters around you as well, they are constantly looking for sanitary products. So that's another way, you know, instead of donating food, maybe consider donating sanitary products. That's a great thing. To, that's a, um, That was a really great suggestion. Sanitary products and socks. I know socks are one of the most, the number one um, items needed in homeless shelters and re- oh. or requested. Yeah, socks. Because, you know, you need to keep those extremities warm. Speaking of the cold, uh, mm-hmm. I think now's a good time to start sharing some of kind of the interesting facts that I found about periods. Yes. And one of it is that your period actually gets worse when it's cold out. Did it say why? Um, so it says that, and again, I'm getting these facts from helpingwomenperiod.org. And it says that during the winter months, a woman's flow period duration and even pain level are longer than the summer. This pattern also extends to women who live in colder climates rather than warmer temperature. It says it's thought to be due to the lack of sunshine, which helps our body produce vitamin D and dopamine. Yeah. I was going to say, I bet it's sunshine because sun makes everything better. And so Uh lack of sun will make everything a little worse. And then this bustle uh, one that I thought was really interesting is that for women, we are in the U.S. where we use tampons apparently more often than most other countries. <laughs> so really? we like to use tampons in the U.S. And also we're really accepting of period sex, but other countries are just not that open to it, which probably could be a whole other episode of dealing with your period and sex and all that stuff. But yeah, it, it's not as common around the world to even consider having sex while on your period. Is that, is this like a more sort of like, European countries or first world countries study. I, I wonder what sort of the specifics of this well, are. Well, for the Bustle one, they said that they interviewed six countries. It was the UK, the US, Canada, China, India, and South Africa. Okay, that's kind of a splattering of randomness. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't have like a strong emotion on period sex because sometimes I'm – well, for one – I, I, I always like to say, but orgasms are nature's Advil. And so if you're like cramping, a good orgasm will help you out, you know? And they say that. I mean, that is one of the benefits <laughs> yeah, of it. it is. Is they, they do. They say it. it actually helps. It helps migraines. It does. Yeah. It helps. Literally, and we'll do an episode on this. 
clit facts very soon, but the clitoris is the only purpose of your clitoris is pleasure. That is it. And like, and, and it's there to help you reduce some of the pain in the body from your period, right? If, if you have sex yeah. on your period, there you go. I don't know. I don't have a strong feelings one way or the other. I was going to say, because sometimes you're feeling so gross on your period. Like, who the hell wants to be touched? Yeah. <laughs> you're just like. Again, it's, it's very, you know, self. Yeah, specific to the person, specific to the cycle. <laughs> it's like so specific. I do mm-hmm. remember being in high school and kind of talking to one of my sexually active friends about it and just being kind of like my mind was blown that like she and her boyfriend would have sex on their period. And I was like, you can do that? Like that's a thing that you would even consider? And I just remember being like, ugh, when I get my period, one, I feel gross. Two, I feel like I don't want to move. And three, like I'm not sexually active either, you know, at that time. So it was just like I, I couldn't conceptualize it and uh I thought that that was really interesting that somebody so young was just like so open to it you know it's funny when I was in high school which was the exact same time that you were in high school I was talking to a different (laughs) a different friend I think I know who you're talking about but I really don't I was talking to a different friend that again yeah was sexually active and was like yeah me and my boyfriend we just keep my tampon in when we have sex on my period and I just remember being like what (laughs) like what and she you know there's things she's like you know you can't go as deep and you got to do this and that and I was just like remember like what why keep it in (laughs) I just remember like like thinking but yeah also at the same time like oh they're very young to just like be I don't know not I don't want to say so open or so whatever but I don't know it just kind of blew my mind a little bit because I was like that's not I didn't anticipate people having sex on their period because I was not sexually active in high school and especially at that point in high school mm-hmm. I was rather naive about sex all the way around yeah. um yeah me and my little innocent self <laughs> shout out to my father who's not listening who said he didn't want to hear my stories <laughs> 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 all right <laughs> I I found another really interesting fact which I kind of love and uh they say that while globally the majority of women prefer to stay quiet about their periods, women in India are less likely to hide the fact that they have their period. Good. And it's just like, that's so awesome. That they're I just like, that. yeah, I have my period. Like, deal with it. <laughs> you know? I have to say, I've gotten that way as I've gotten older. I'm just like, it's I what think it, it comes is now. With age. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, fuck it, deal with it. And if you're grossed out, mister, like, I don't. I don't care. Even I remember like it work in the office. It wasn't as if I was like, ah, I'm on my period. You deal with it all. But it got yeah. to the point where I was like, I'm not going to hide the tampon that I'm taking to the bathroom with me. Or if I suddenly double over, I'm going to be like, yeah, these are cramps. That's a cramp. That is, that yeah. is my body yelling at me right now for no. <laughs> yeah. And I know we, you know, we did an episode on periods when we had this podcast as a video cast. So if you want to go see that, you can. It's on our YouTube channel, um, Untitled Meg. But I, in that, I mentioned kind of the fact that, yeah, it was like, it's super embarrassing in high school if you had to like bring your tampon to the bathroom. And I would like put it up my shirt sleeve or I would like mm-hmm. put it in a jacket pocket because like you just didn't want to be seeing using a tampon. Like, oh my God. And so one time I went to go and it like fell out of my pocket and it like fell across the floor. And one of my like male classmates was like, um, you, um, you dropped, um, <laughs> you know, it was just like, yeah. I was mortified. <laughs> I was mortified. I have to say that what's even even more scary than that is 
I remember my mom going through menopause and suddenly she would just like hemorrhage and she would just be bleeding heavy. And I remember being on the the pool deck. We worked at a pool. My mom, my mom was the aquatic director. I was a lifeguard. And I just remember all of a sudden like, mom, <laughs> you need to go to the change because it just like all of a sudden comes at you. So mm-hmm. as prepared as we are now, you know, like I had that in my mind. And I remember one of the other women working um, teaching some lessons. So she was in a bathing suit and whatnot, and she was sitting on the bleachers and it was the woman in, uh, it's hard for me to like, remember exactly how old she was because I was a teenager. So everybody yeah. seemed like they were old to me. Um, <laughs> but she was probably looking back now, I'm thinking in her, in her late forties to mm-hmm. early fifties, um, and leaving like a whole, anyway, so she got up and left like a whole period blood pile on the bleachers and like kind of dripped to the bathroom. And I remember the boy lifeguard just being like, oh my God. And I was like, it's like a nosebleed. I had to deal with a nosebleed. You got to deal with that. <laughs> 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 I'm like, I ain't doing with it just because I'm a female and eat my half of the pool, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and yeah, so there's a, I mean, again, not really period, but like what is coming for us and like comfortability Mm -hmm. we're going to have to get is like, that is something that also happens is that women, as they go through menopause, you can go months without your period and then it hits really hard and suddenly out of nowhere, you can have a a mess in your pants, you know? I mean, we all know, I think a lot of males that you have noticed, women will get up and be like, and their friends will be like, they'll check their ass to like, Mm -hmm. make sure you don't have a spot Mm -hmm. they bleed through because- Sometimes it gets extra heavy and you bleed through your your tampon or your pad. or It's wild because I feel like even, you know, now in our mid-30s, I still sometimes will, like, ask a friend if I've had, like, a really heavy day and I feel like maybe something – I'll be like, is there anything on the back of my pants? Like, am I all good? You know, and that's, like, it's crazy because, like, we've been dealing with this, like you said, for 20 years. Like, you would think mm-hmm. we would have an understanding of it, but it's just, like, it's so different every time. Yeah, you never know. And, like, certain things can just, like – I don't, one thing people maybe not realize is that tampons can kind of shift within you too. Mm -hmm. And so they can go from not even really noticing it's there to being exceptionally uncomfortable and leaking on you, you know, or, you know, we're going back to high school. I would like take my whole little backpack with me to the bathroom to avoid having to grab a tampon, Mm -hmm. but we had to ask permission to go to the bathroom. There were quite a few times I was told no. And I just remember being like, I hope I can make it through this class. Mm-hmm. I hope I can make it through this class because I don't know what's good. Yeah. What's good. And if I stand up, what am I going to do? You know? Yep. Not to, it's just, yeah. And it, it being a woman is not for the fate of heart. <laughs> Let me tell you that. Okay. It's it kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. It takes some courage. And I, I do want to point out, I know we've been saying, women but we understand that there are some men out there who also menstruate so but it just yeah it's wild to think back on all the experiences we've had and again just like the fact that we I just didn't even put two and two together that we've been dealing with this for like 20 years like that's what (laughs) longer than that I got my period when I was I, I think I was 12 at the time right like right before, right before I met you, I think right before sixth grade. Oh right? wow! And I'm, um, and I was the oldest of my family. 
grandmothers included. <laughs> um, and women get it even younger now because of all of the hormone that's in the milk and the meat and our foods, you know. Yeah. You have to deal with it even longer <laughs> than, than I did. I can't imagine having to deal with all that stuff at eight, nine, ten years old. It was weird enough at 12. Yeah, I, you know, I remember being younger and being like, I can't wait for menopause. And it's just like, now, <laughs> having watched my mother go through it, it doesn't look fun. She, you know, she used to call it her personal summer because she would just get overheated oh out of gosh. nowhere. And that's part of, you know, your hormones just kind of going crazy. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a ticking clock on things. And it's like, I want to be a mother one day. I want to be able to have a birth a child. And it's just like, there is definitely a time limit on that. And it is very real now that we're in our 30s. And it's kind of terrifying. So someone said it really well. And they were saying that 30, when you turn 35, it hits a little different, yeah. <laughs> which is what we did, right? Now I am yeah. moving. I, I am now moving towards 36. Um, I'm past my halfway mark <laughs> towards my birthday. And it is, there's something different about hitting 35 and not that I feel old or over the hill or like it's end is coming. But I do, I do feel like a, like a grown up, like a grown woman who I'm only going to get older <laughs> from here. Like it's, if that makes any sense. I don't know how to explain it, but it just, 35 hits different. It just feels mm -hmm. a little different. It's not the same as 30. It's not the same as 34. It probably isn't the same as 40. I feel like by the time I hit 40, like I'm kind of excited for my 40s. And I think by the time I hit that, I'll be ready to rock it. And, you know, I know I'm going to embrace it. I've embraced every age, but 35 has hit a little different because you just, there's no, there's no denying it anymore. You're on the other side. Yeah, it's definitely that moment where you, you start making your plan. It's like, okay, what's really important to me? What do I want to do? Do I, you know, and I was looking it up and you kind of have to, if you want to save your eggs, they recommend doing it before 35 and I just would never have thought about that before then. And also just, I don't know, I don't have that great of a relationship with my gynecologist. Maybe other people do, but I just wish there was more time where they sat you down and kind of let you know the timeline, like the true timeline of things. And maybe that's my own fault for not being more proactive, I guess, when I go to the doctor. But I'm always terrified when I go to the doctor. So I'm just kind of like frozen. <laughs> I don't Aww. know. Well, I would suggest writing out your questions and concerns before going. I think that made yeah. a huge difference for me. Because, yeah, I would notice the same thing. I'd go to the doctor and be like, uh, kind of froze, kind of freeze, deal yeah. with whatever. And I would not get the things that I... I would not get the understanding that I needed. I wouldn't get things addressed that I needed. And I did find that there are certain doctors that just, and I, it wasn't because they were male, because it happened with female, too, that I was just not being taken serious. And so having very clear written notes for myself. Yeah kept me on point and like you would even write like if they kind of brush us off like ask again and I would write that mm -hmm. down and be like okay now talk to me about this you know as I knew I never wanted children and so I went to my gynecologist at 20 before honestly before I was even sexually active I went and I was like listen how do I get my tubes tied? <laughs> Let's talk about this, you know? And I was completely brushed off and told that it was not a possibility for a woman my age. I was not allowed to make that decision yet. 
um, which was really, really surprising. And later I found out actually illegal. I, I am allowed to make that decision at 20 years old. Thank you. But either way, you know, I didn't know that. I was uneducated on it. And the doctor's office, when you have like, it, yeah, it can be a little crazy. So definitely recommend writing your notes out, even getting a second opinion. And I don't see doctors that I don't like. I've fired dentists before. And by fired, I do not go back. <laughs> I'm not yeah. like, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but when a doctor or someone of that, like, no, I don't do it anymore because this is my body and my health and I am going to take it serious whether they will or not. And I don't want to be around people who are, I don't like, and take medical, unless you are like some sort of extreme specialist, which I haven't needed in my life. Goodbye. <laughs> if you don't, if I don't like you. So I've had a lot. I've had a ton of gynecologists, more than I would like trying to find one that I was happy with. And that is an important one to just keep trying until you find the right one. I feel the same way about dentists, but we're not we're not going to go that far off track. But, yeah, but it's <laughs> true. a good dentist, yeah, that you trust. A good dentist is an amazing, yeah. amazing thing. Oh, my God. Um, but to kind of rein this in and to kind of close things out, look into you know, sustainable brands or brands that, you know, vote with your dollar, like I said, that give back to the community or give back to people in need. Um, and be careful what you're using on yourself. And we appreciate the men in our lives that are helping out the women in their lives and not being afraid of periods and learning more about periods. And, mm -hmm. you know, we hope that you learned a little bit something here today. And to send you off, I have one more crazy fact that I found wild. I'm kind of excited to tell you about it. It says that. Oh, good. Uh, your period can affect how you sound and smell. So they say that according to oh, vocalization yeah. researchers, women's voices can change slightly during their menstrual cycle due to our reproductive hormones affecting our vocal cords. So we might sound like more, well, I guess it doesn't say anything. It just says that we might sound less attractive during our period. <laughs> That doesn't surprise me. I think, and I, I have mentioned this before, the period smell. <laughs> like, it has its own scent. They address that, too. They do say that your your hormones, and, you know, we all have a natural scent. We all have our pheromones or whatnot that other people essentially smell on you. We don't necessarily recognize that we smell these smells. But, yeah, your, your natural scent actually changes, obviously, due to the hormones during your period. And that back in the day when cavemen were around and they were uh, – being attracted to women due to their pheromones specifically they could tell more so like they were more attracted to a woman when she was ovulating and less attracted to a woman when she was menstruating and it's just it's it's incredible that it's like that biology is built into us to know that like your body can tell when when's the time to procreate it's just man science it's fascinating oh yeah and i don't know that I've read that husbands sometimes will be able to tell that their wife is pregnant. Like they, they do. They smell different. They're like, my wife, when she's pregnant, smells different than when she's not pregnant. And yeah. They, like, yeah. It, like, it blows. It is amazing how it's just like part of us biology. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to say goodbye today. If you have any fun period facts to share with us or thoughts on anything that we discussed, please send us a tweet at my ovaries made me. 
As always, we love to hear from you and we don't hear from you enough. So come on guys, send us a tweet. And until we get that tweet, you stay healthy, you stay happy, and you stay curious. Bye. Bye. Thank you.